continuing on the road to Mount Washington, top four Steelers of all time, and the Pittsburgh Potholes, bottom four of all time. We're talking top 10 Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks. This is an interesting list, y'all. Grab a brew and get into the bird cave. Let's go. Listen, y'all. This is going to be a fucked up list. I'm not going to lie. I'm drinking some wild sours from Distill because I got a sour taste in my damn mouth with some of this list. All of y'all that wanted Big Ben ran out of town a while ago, y'all be ashamed of your damn self. If you don't see the people that I had to put in to this top 10 list. Holy shit, listen, this is bad. But, this is the top 10 Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks and I can only go back so far. I, I went back as far as I could to kind of extrapolate some of these these quarterbacks and listen, man, there's some dark years in this organization. Not of late, man, there's some dark, dark times in this organization. Holy shit. So, some of the criteria that I looked for with these quarterbacks, again, high level statistics just for the sake of keeping this episode 15, 20 minutes long here. Obviously, their tenure, how long they played for the Steelers. Just like other positions, I don't count what they've done outside of the organization. The longevity with the years, how many games played, the win-loss record. Although, if you know me, I hate that win-loss record being 100% on the quarterback position. However, they are measured on wins and losses. So, for the sake of this list, I will look at wins and losses. Also, the yards, touchdowns, interceptions, and also... One stat that I looked at was an interception percentage, which is the percent of times intercepted when attempting to pass. Now, this stat is recorded with a minimum of 14 attempts per scheduled game and a minimum of 1,500 career passing attempts, just to give you some context on this interception percentage. And then I also broke down the playoff stats because, you know, again, quarterbacks are also measured what they do not only in primetime games, but in the playoffs. Taking a sip. Maybe I should have got some bourbon for this one. But here we go. Top 10 list. Starting off at number 10. And I don't give a damn what people say on this. I'm putting him in there. Because he's a fan favorite local kid. I'm going with Charlie Batch. Played for 8 years. From 2003 to 2012. 33 games. Only amassing a 6-3 win-loss record. 2,069 yards, 12 TDs, 12 picks, and an interception percentage of 4.3%. Keep that in mind as we go through some of these quarterbacks. It's actually a pretty good statistic. He did have three comebacks and three game-winning drives. Also, something that's important when measuring quarterbacks. All three of those were in separate years. 2005, 2006, and my personal favorite, 2012 that game against the Baltimore Ravens. One of the most memorable Chuck Batch games, as well as the game I saw him play in person down in Tampa Bay uh, during Ben's suspension. You know, the game where Kiesel took the 80-yard pick to the Haas. It was a fantastic game. So, Charlie Batch, number 10. If you're putting somebody else in there, I don't give a shit. 
He's number 10 for me. Number 9. Oh, boy. Um, some of you guys, the funny thing is you had him in your Pittsburgh pothole votes. And I get it. But again, the bottom of this list is, is what it is. Number 9, Mark Malone. He played 7 years, 60 games. 21 and 24 as a starter. He played from 1980 to 1987. Now, 8,582 yards, <laughs> 54 touchdowns, and 68 interceptions. An interception percentage of 4.9%. He did have four comebacks and seven game-winning drives, all three of those coming in 1987. He did have three playoff, he appeared in three playoff games, excuse me, amassing a one and one record, 558 yards, four TDs, three picks, and an interception percentage of a consistent 4.2%. The reason I even put him on the list as well, again, those statistics are higher than a lot of other Steeler quarterbacks for his career, but if you guys remember in 1984, he did lead the Steelers to an AFC Championship game where they got absolutely mollywhopped by the Miami Dolphins in Dan Marino. But he's on the list. Number eight. Keep going. Mike Tomzak. Seven years. 84 games appeared in. Amassed a 15-12 and 12 record as a starter. He's above 500. Played, for, played from 1993 to 1999. 6,649 yards. I'm saying that like it's a, a, a huge amount of yards here. 37 TDs, 43 interceptions, and an interception percentage of 4.4%. He had one comeback and five game-winning drives. Both uh, He had two of those game-winning drives in 1994. He appeared in five playoff games with a 1-1 one -one record, 286 yards, and a whopping Zero touchdowns and four interceptions. An interception percentage of 8%. Not good. His overall QB rating, I actually forgot to tell you the other two guys, but his overall QB rating was a 71.6 for his career. Um, Charlie Batch's career quarterback rating was a 77.2. Mark Malone's was a 62.4. Awesome. So again, Mike Tomzak amassing a 71.6 QB rating. Number seven. Just going by the statistics I read, he's in there. Never watched this man play. Number seven, Bobby Lane. Five years, 55 games. <laughs> At least he had a 27-19 career record with the Steelers. He played for a couple other teams as well. I believe Detroit and others. But he played for the Steelers from 1958 to 1962. 9,030 yards, 66 touchdowns, and 81 interceptions. Holy shit. A 7% interception ratio. 65.5 QB rating. Whatever. Um, seven comebacks and eight game-winning drives. Three of those were in 1959 when there wasn't television sets. But number seven, Bobby Lane. I wish I could say more about him, but I'm not that old. So number six... This was a, these next couple guys were, they're, they're interchangeable to me. Um, but I had to put them in some type of ranking, and I'll explain it here in a second. So number six, Tommy Maddox. 
five years. He played 42 games, amassing a 15 and 16 career record from 2001 to 2005. 7,139 yards, 42 touchdowns, and 40 interceptions. <laughs> He's got more TDs and picks. His INT percentage is only a 3.9%, which is actually pretty impressive considering the amount of times that he threw the ball when he came in. And everybody remembers that, you know, remarkable 2002 season where he came in and had um, three, all three of his game-winning drives that he amassed in his career with the Steelers, including the most memorable playoff one that I recall, the 2002 wild card against the Stains, a.k.a. the Cleveland Brownies. He did appear, excuse me, in two playoff games, one-on-one record. We know what the one win was and the one loss was thanks to the Emmy Award-winning performance by Tennessee's kicker, Jackass. Uh, 633 yards, 5 TDs, and 3 picks for an 84.2 rating in the playoffs. And he, he was the 2002 Comeback Player of the Year. Tommy Gunn was a... That was a fun year to watch the Steelers play. It was something that was different for anybody who grew up watching the Steelers in the 80s. The ground and pound... Going through some of the you know the bad Steelers teams, and they never really had great star receivers outside of Louis Lips in the '80s. For them to all of a sudden then open it up in 2002. Now, granted, Cordell had a great year in 2001 with Hines and Plax and everything, but Tommy really took that passing game to another level, and he was sure as hell fun to watch that year. So for that reason, I'm putting Tommy in at number six. And the only reason I have this gentleman, this next guy at number five is a little bit more on the longevity side, and that's Bobby Brister. He played, played, in, played for seven years, excuse me, 61 games, 28 and 29 as a starter. He played from 1986 to 1992 on some absolutely putrid Steelers teams. He still threw for 10,104 yards, which I believe most of that went to Louis Lips. 51 touchdowns and 57 INTs. And a surprising 3.9% interception percentage. I thought it would have been a hell of a lot higher than that. His career QB rating is 69.8. He had 9 comebacks and 11 game-winning drives. Defense was so bad back then. Three of those actually came in 1993. He did appear in two playoff games, amassing a 1-1 record. 54.8% 54.8% completion, 356 yards, one touchdown, and no picks. So he has the highest INT percentage in the playoffs in Cedars history with 0%. You will take the wins where you can get them. Again, I can swap Bubby and Tommy out. I could see people moving Bubby lower. But you've also just heard who is lower on the list. Now, these top four quarterbacks, I'm sure, collectively, everybody knows who they are. It's just a matter of where they where they rank. Well, you guys know who probably the top two are. It's just my opinion who's the best, and we will get to that. It's probably the worst-kept secret since doing these top tens. So, for number three and number four, are both quarterbacks that I feel... It did not live up to their black and gold potential. The difference is whose teams accomplished more under their 
leadership, if you will. So at number four, one of my personal favorites, and maybe out of outside of Troy, maybe the best athlete to ever put on the black and gold. And that's Cordell Stewart. Now I'm sure some eyeballs are rolling. A lot of people that hate Slash, but I love watching this kid. Who can forget the, the Slash and the commercials? I even had a poster of his Slash, you know, picture of him throwing, running, and catching. I took it to Latrobe one year, and he was actually one, trying to sign it. But, of course, the damn marker wouldn't work, so it didn't get signed. I was going to get that thing framed, put it in my college dorm room at the time, but... Oh, well, but again, shout out Cordell Stewart, man. One of my favorite players and one of my favorite series players to watch of all time. But he played for eight years, 125 games, and amassed a very respectable 46-29 and 29 record as a starter. He played from 1995 to 2002. 13,328 yards, 70 touchdowns, and 72 interceptions. A 3.4% interception um, percentage, excuse me, and a 70.7 quarterback rating. He did have nine comebacks and 14 game-winning drives with the Steelers, five of those actually coming in one year in 1997. He He played in and started in four playoff games, Massing a 2-2 two two record. This is a quarterback. This obviously doesn't count when he played receiver. But he actually had an abysmal 48.6% completion percentage in those games. 744 yards, 2 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. Yikes. I didn't think it was that bad, but I do recall some pretty bad throws. 5.6% uh, interception percentage. He did have a... He did make the Pro Bowl as a quarterback in 2001. Like I said, that was the first year of Heinz Field. He had that really great, solid year. Uh, and we kind of got a glimpse of a really great Steelers passing game before Tommy Maddox took over in 2002. But I would be remiss also why Cordell Stewart is in the top four quarterbacks is because of his slash role. He did also have a career 560 rushes. 2,874 yards and 38 rushing touchdowns. He also had 41 receptions, 658 yards and 5 touchdowns. You cannot ignore that contributions, even though it wasn't at the quarterback position, but it was from the same player. And and I heard a lot of people say, well, if he would just stayed at receiver, he'd have been... Stop it. He would not have been a great receiver. He would have fizzled out as a receiver within three years. It was the right move to put him the quarterback. He was an average to above average quarterback, and that's what he was. To me, number four on my top ten series list. Number three, the love and hate of Neil O'Donnell. And the only reason he's above Cordell, even though he cost us a Super Bowl, with a couple bad reads and also a bad route of Andre Hastings, he also got us to a Super Bowl and nearly got us to two Super Bowls. He played for five years, 66 games, a 39 and 22 career record with Steelers from 1991 to 1995. 12,867 yards, 68 touchdowns, and 39 interceptions for a 2.1% interception percentage, excuse me, an 81.8 career quarterback rating with the Steelers. 15 comebacks, 18. Game-winning drives, four of those coming in 1995. 
He was a pro bowler in 1992. And, of course, he started in seven playoff games, amassing a 3-4 and four career record, 57.8% completion percentage, 1,690 yards, nine TDs, and eight goddamn interceptions. 2.9% interception percentage. Neil O'Donnell was your quintessential pocket passer. Um, I thought he was a great system quarterback for Earhart's system. He definitely deserves to be on this list, but the fact that he is number three speaks volumes for number four to number ten. Bad, bad things. Hell, I could make a case Kenny Pickett already be on this list, but he's not. Not yet. So, the top two quarterbacks in Steers history, everybody and their mother knows who they are. But who do I have as number two, and who do I have as number one? There are strong opinions either way. I can somewhat accept the inverse of my list, although I won't, but I get the argument for one reason, which I will highlight here. In my number two rated quarterback, Terry Bradshaw. 168 games with a 107 and 51 record. That's fantastic. He played from 1970 to 1983. Now his stats aren't going to be up there with other quarterbacks, if even you know, because of just the way the era was, especially early in his career. But 27,989 yards, 51.9% completion percentage, which is pretty bad. 212 TDs, 210 interceptions, a 5.4% interception percentage. That screams just F it, chuck it down, swan and Stallworth are there somewhere. And half the time it was caught, half the time it was picked. Just imagine if he didn't have the defense, the steel curtain defense, would Terry Bradshaw be a four-time Super Bowl champion? I say no. Okay. Oh, my God! (laughs) 70.9 QB rating for his career. 15 comebacks and 23 game-winning drives. Four of those in both 1979 and 1980, so later in his career. So that's pretty impressive. The accolades for Terry Bradshaw start, obviously, in the playoffs. 19 games with a 14-5 and playoff record. You can't argue the greatness there. 3,833 yards, 57.2% completion percentage, 30 TDs and 26 INTs. Keeping along the same theme of the 212 and 210. And he also had a similar 5.7% interception percentage. Second team All-Pro quarterback in the 1970s. I wonder who the hell was number one. Can you give it to that jackass uh, Staubach from the Cowboys or something? I'll have to look that up. He was first team All-Pro in 1978, which is the same year he won the NFL MVP. Only a two-time Pro Bowler. That was actually kind of shocking. Two-time Super Bowl MVP, and we all know four-time Super Bowl champ, and of course, a Hall of Famer. Love me some Terry Bradshaw, man. You know, I don't think they win all four Super Bowls without Terry, but I sure as hell don't think they win four with Terry by himself. They were carried by that defense. But he's part of the team. He's the quarterback. 
You criticize them, you got to give them credit. So credit where's credit due, especially in the playoffs, as you as you heard, the man was clutch in the playoffs. For me, that's why he's number two, just because you know, the rating and the numbers just really don't speak volume of greatness, but it does speak volumes of clutch, indicated by his playoff numbers. So obviously, the number one quarterback, it's no surprise Big Ben is there. 18 years, 249 games, a record of 165-81-1 and one from the years 2004 to 2021. 64,088 yards passing, 64.4% completion, 418 touchdowns, and 211 INTs. So he is the most intercepted stealer of all time by one. However, his INT percentage was a lot lower than I thought it would be at 2.5. He has a 93.5 career passer rating with 41 comebacks, 53 game-winning drives. I, don't, I think only Brady and Manning are better. Um, he had seven of those in the year that everybody wanted to get rid of his ass in 2021. You want to get rid of him, and he saved the Steelers' year. That year with his clutch performance, although he wasn't 2004, 2005, Ben, but he was more of the check down man, but he at least moved the ball down the field when it counted, even though the offense struggled a lot that year. He had 23 playoff uh, games, 13 and 10 is a career, a little average, 5,972 yards, 63.2% completion. So again, on par with his, with his regular season statistics. 36 touchdowns, 28 interceptions, and a little bit higher with a 3.6 interception percentage. His playoff rating was an 86.7 versus 93.5 in the regular season. So some of those playoff losses, the people out there yapping about uh, the Tomlin's fault, blah, 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 blah. Some of that was on Ben's fault. Some of that was 100% Ben's fault. But he's still the GOAT in the black and gold, in my opinion. Six-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champ, 2004 Offensive Rookie of the Year. We all know that 15-1 year was may never be matched again. And two stats that I want to leave you with that are I that I simply love about Ben. First off, he was 26-2-1 against the Stains, that poverty franchise. And he also this is the most mind-blowing stat, and this was mentioned on TV a few times in. I know it was mentioned a few times by Lewis Riddick um, on his last game um, against the Browns at home. Ben is only, in, in all these games that he's played, the 249 games, only two times that he played a game where the Steelers were not either in the playoffs or in playoff contention. That is freaking remarkable. That is up there with the Penguins' 16 years in a row playoff streak. You play for 18 years, 249 games, and only twice you are not in contention for the playoffs. Yet we want to complain. Steeler fans want to bitch. That is remarkable. And for that, he is by far the most consistent and the best physical specimen of a quarterback to ever put on the black and gold. I'll be interested to review this list in a few years. Probably already throw Kenny there as third, I would assume, key with the projectory. 
Hell, I could probably play for a few years and make the top 10. But that's my top 10 list of Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks. Number 10, Charlie Batch. Number 9, Mark Malone. Number 8, Mike Tomzak. 7, Bobby Lane. Where the hell did it go? Number 6, Tommy Maddox. Number 5, Bobby Brister. Number 4, Slash Cordell Stewart. Number 3, Neil. Why the hell did you throw those two picks in a Super Bowl, O'Donnell? Number 2, Terry Bradshaw. And number 1, Big Ben. Let me know what you guys think of my list. Hit me up on Twitter at Birdcave or post some comments in the Birdcave Facebook page for those who are part of that community. And I will be back with the running backs on the next episode and then we'll wind it down with the two hardest ones, the defensive line and linebackers, all leading up to August 4th show when we reveal Pittsburgh's Mount Washington and the Pittsburgh Pothole teams all voted on by the Bird Cave community. So I thank everybody for their votes. So take care, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Peace out. Bye.